everybody. This is Harriet Kimmick, the host of Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, I want to share with you something that is a buildup on what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about how God is a vengeful God. He's a wrathful God and how he avenges on your behalf. Well, this week, we're going to show you how God delivers the enemy into your hand. Whatever is the enemy in your life, whatever has come against you, we're going to take you right into the scriptures to show you how God does this. First, you know, God has me in this motion where we are excavating the scriptures. We're showing it. I know that we all have our favorite chapters. You know, everybody knows Psalm 23. Everybody knows Malachi 3 and 8, especially the preachers. They love to tell you how to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And they love to tell you how it is based upon the scriptures. They don't tell you the other part of it to give as you ought to give. So we're going to show you how God is God and beside him there is no other. We're going to show you how God is a healer, a defender. He's the Lord Most High. Amen. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the names of God. And one of the names of God we came across was El Elyon, the Lord who is Most High. So in the scripture, in Genesis chapter 14, we discover that God is also called El. He is El. There is none other. In, in, in Spanish, we say El Señor. No one asks who is El Señor, do they? No, when you say El Señor, everyone knows who that is. In Hebrew, he's referred to as El. Well, in this scripture, he's referred to as El, and he's also El Elyon, the Lord Most High. How many of us would love to have El Elyon on our side? I mean, so I'm going to bring him into, the, into this, into our discussions today, and talk some more about this. But before I do that, I want to ask you a favor. It's fast approaching the end of the year, and I need your help. We need to raise $100,000 to continue the work that we're doing with the Exodus Foundation. So I'm going to ask you to go to our website, harrietcamerick.com. There is a link to the Exodus Foundation. And as you read more about the dangers of human trafficking and sex trafficking and how it destroys people's lives, you will want to become a part of this to help us to bring the gospel to people, to help people to be restored and to be recovered and to share the good news of Jesus Christ as Savior, just like he saved me and pulled me out of the miry clay and pulled me out of the darkness into his light. It's the same way in which you're going to help help us and you will want to help us to do this so help us as we provide services to women who have been damaged as a result of trafficking and other activities on their lives who feel as if there is no God they're crying out to God to help but God needs you and I we are his arm we are his angels walking on this earth to help others amen so head on over to my website, harrietcamac.com. You'll find a link to the exodusfoundation.com or you can go straight to the exodusfoundation.com. We're a 501c3 organization. That means we're tax deductible. So every deduction that you provide, we can send you a receipt for which you can claim a tax deduction at the end of the year with the IRS. We're in the United States. We're in Michigan. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much in advance for doing that. So today... I want to show you how your enemy is in your hand. That's right. Your enemy is in your hand. And I'm going to show you how sickness, disease, death, devastation, and all manner of evil that comes to us 
is in your hand. And I'm going to take you right into the scriptures and show you what the word of God says. So in this particular scripture in Genesis chapter 14, we meet Abram. This is before he was transformed into Abraham, father of the faith. This is when he was Abraham, Abram, and his nephew Lot, who is the son of his brother, had was supposed to be with him. Now, if, if, if you're Abram and uh, if you're Lot and you have an influential uncle and influential family members, why would you be down there hanging out with the other folk? Wouldn't you be on the side where the influence is? Because chances are where the influence is, there is what? Protection, right? So Lot decides to go hang out with the other people down yonder who were doing all kinds of things. Remember in the scriptures, you've heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where Lot took his family too. So he was down there and Abram decides that he has to go and, and rescue his, his nephew. So there was the war of the kings. And I just want to tell you, just reading this, I was like, you know, sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, hmm, modern day could take some lessons from what happened back then. They, you know, in my early readings of the Bible, a scholar once told me that uh, the Bible to someone who is a military general gives you uh, strategy, military strategy. Did you know that? Because some of the folks in the Bible, like King David, they were what? They were military strategists. They were men of war. God tells you clearly how to defeat the enemy. He will tell you how to circle around them, build a wall around them, right? Go dig out a trench for you, the enemy to fall into. Those are all types and shadows of war. If you're an engineer, the Bible will tell you how to dig up, make a wall six feet high by 10 feet deep. So there are all kinds of things in the Bible and all kinds of ways of living. In fact, they say the Magna Carta is based on the Bible. It's the book of civilization. Last night when I was studying, I discovered something that I myself didn't know. I discovered that the King James Version of the Bible, when you are living in the United Kingdom, it is the domain of the crown. That means they own all the rights to it. That's pretty important. If you're outside of the UK, it's public. The Bible is free, it's public, so you can't charge for it. But inside the United Kingdom, the Bible is the domain of the crown because King James had had it what? He had had it translated into his language, the English language, for the rest of us to be blessed by it. Amen? Amen. So here in Genesis chapter 14, we encounter the war of the kings. And I only have a few minutes with you this morning to tell you that your enemy is in your hand. And I, and I want to start reading this so you get some idea. And it came to pass in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 1. And it says, it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar. Listen to this, the kings. Ariel, king of Elasar, Shurdolomar, who is the king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, and Shinab, king of Adma, Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela. All these are the kings. This particular scripture is referred to the war of the kings. And this is about Lot, who is Abraham's nephew. And all of these kings joined together in the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea, 
And 12 years they had served Shurda Lamar. Remember we talked about him. He's the king of Elam. And in the 13th year they rebelled. I kid you not. This is in the Bible y'all. In the 14th year Shurda Lamar and the kings that were with him came and attacked the other king. Right? Rephaim, Ashtaroth, Kamein, the Zuzim in Ham. That's important. The Emim in Shaveh, Kithuriam, and the Horites in the mountain of Seir, as far as El Paran. But the reason we're reading it is the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, they went out and joined together in a battle in the valley of Sidim against Shurda Lamar. Weren't they all friends just now? Before the 13th year, right? Now all of a sudden, hey, we have a dispute. And Tidal, king of nations, and Amraphael, king of Shinar. So the four kings joined together against the other five. And so the valley of Sudan was full of asphalt pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. And then they took, the Bible says in verse number 12 of chapter 14 of Genesis, they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So they took Lot. So when they had escaped and Abram learned about this because Abram had some friends. He was a Hebrew. He dwelt by the turban trees, right? He's the, uh, near the brother of Eschol and brother of Anar. These are important because the Bible is also a book of genealogy. And they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, and his brother's son, what do you think he did? He armed himself and he took 318 of his trained servants and decided and went in far as pursuit. He divided his forces. He and his servants attacked them and overtook them. So he brought back all the goods and brought back his brother Lot and his goods. And as was the custom in that day, after you've gone to war and you have won, you have to do what? You have to go to the priest. Amen. And you have to bring a gift to the priest. So the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh after his return from the defeat of Shurda Lamar and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Here the Bible refers to him, but the translations say, the commentary is that Melchizedek was the high priest, so he was referred to as a king. And they brought out bread and wine. So they're going to break bread together and sup together because Melchizedek was the priest of God, the most high El Elyon, and he blessed him. And here's what Melchizedek said. Blessed be Abram of God, most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God, most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us be hearers of the word and doers and not just doers only. Let us hear the word today. Let it be a right diviner. Let the word come and deliver us and deliver your people and deliver the enemy into our hands on this day, this week, this month, this year. In Jesus' mighty name, let the enemy be defeated by the words we shall speak on the words that come out of our mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible says, right here in verse 20, I just read it in your hearing. It says, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. How many of us have an enemy that we want delivered? Last week, we learned that God is an avenger, that God does not like wickedness. He does not like people doing evil against us. He does not like people doing evil against one another. We need to talk more about this because then we hold people accountable for their actions. Too often, people feel like they can do whatever they want to do. They can go start a war. Your neighbor wants to start a war because the the line that divides you, you you are just a little bit over my line. You're out mowing your lawn and you, you cut my lawn. And people feel like they can do anything. They put up a fence and block out your view and the fence is interfering with your line. People want to live with you. They come into your house, you take them in. You offer them shelter. Next thing you know, they change their address and now they they, they claim eminent domain and think they live in your house and you can't put them out. You feel sorry for someone and say, well, I have another house. You can stay there for the time being. And now you want occupation and want them out of your house and they won't leave. People take advantage of people. People hurt people and think there's no recompense to them. People want to hit women and children like there's nothing. Men walk around and they have sex with women and they just leave them to raise children like nothing happens. Like you didn't just leave a whole human being sitting there. Come on, somebody. People hit people like they're nothing. You rape people. Yes, I said it. You assault people. You do wicked things to people. You fire people. You send people home knowing that they have no more needs. Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. And you act like people don't have families and they don't have mouths to feed. You act like you don't even care. Years and years ago, I was working for a company. And right three weeks before Thanksgiving, they fired me. Imagine that. Three weeks before Thanksgiving, I had two children at home. And three weeks before Thanksgiving, and I remember saying, you have no mercy. No mercy whatsoever. No thought to the person or to the human being whose life you just messed up. You just look at people as if they're variables, they're disposables. It's like uh, recently I was reading a story and I was reading a story about these billionaires who suddenly have engaged in in, in in a spit fight. Everybody wants to go to, it's like a giant, somebody referred to it as a giant whatever measuring stick. They, They wanna show who has the most power. So they're going to build a thing that pushes out of the earth to see who can build the tallest thing that can push out of the earth to say they go to space. That's what they're concerned about. Meanwhile, their employees are earning minimum wage. Meanwhile, the government has to give food stamps and provide medical insurance to their employees because they keep all the money into their storehouses for themselves because people are a variable. People are a non-factor. Amen. Amen. Look at us in our lives. We have children. We don't think about them. If we thought about our children more, maybe we would live better lives. We would feed them better. We would sit down and talk to them. We would manage them better. We would tell them, turn that TV off. Turn that video game off. Put the phone down and go study. Oh, it's not popular. I'm not popular amongst your friends. I don't care about being popular amongst your friends. I care about you and your outcome. We probably would take better care of what we put in our bodies. Like you can't just go around and eat anything, drink anything, and drug out anything. You're going to pay for it at some point. We want to do all kind of gender swapping 
having uh, surgeries and we don't think about the consequence to our bodies and then we pay for it later. We, this whole society is built on this perpetual youthfulness. So you're supposed to be 60 looking like you're 20. So you start killing yourself because the model in the society is if you don't look like this, you're not right. So you start working out and you can never achieve it. And you can't just look like the 20-something-year-old model they put in front of you. So you start killing yourself off. And then you go buy more fitness stuff and you invest more in it. Come on. God says he's going to deliver your enemy in your hands. You're there you are. You're just, you're like, Harriet, I'm just a person here. I'm just trying to work and take care of my family. I think so many times of immigrants who are in this country, I don't know, it's been a burden on me for the last few weeks. And I'm thinking of all these folks who are coming looking for escape. And now we're paying for it because one previous guy thought we shouldn't talk about them. They were nothing, but they were keeping the food supply. They were keeping the supply chain going because they were doing the jobs the rest of us wouldn't do. And now we have kicked them out. We have locked them up, imprisoned them, deported them. And now what are we going to do about who works the farms? Where is the fresh produce going to come from? The people who work on the docks who we pay $8 an hour to do all the heavy lifting, to unload all our packages, where is that going to be? Because we got caught up and we didn't care about the variability of humans. We just wanted talking points on TV. The two minutes before the cameras was all we cared about. Because human beings are a variable. The Lord says he's going to deliver your enemy into your hand. Maybe your enemy is the person sitting right in front of you. Tomorrow you have to go to work. Today, whenever you're hearing this broadcast, you have an enemy. The person whom you work for. That person acts like their Lord, God, and conqueror, and they can do nothing. They can do anything they want with you. God is going to deliver that person, that enemy, into your hand. I had one such one. I remember he took my Bible and tore the pages of my Bible and told me, bow down before me, just like this. Bow down before me. I am your God. You're going to find out that I'm your God. And bow down before me and call me God. Yes, he did. He's now six foot six and under. That's what happens when you superimpose the name and the title of God on a human being. It just doesn't work. God delivered that enemy into my hands. It's almost like the chains fell off and all the power that he thought he had dissolved. It was like acid had come over him. It was like nothing. I walked out of that marriage with my mind intact, my body intact. And here I sit today to give God El Elyon the glory because he delivered that enemy into my hands. A few years ago, there I was trying to get ordained as a minister. I kid you not. And in my quest to become ordained, I joined a church. I I didn't really consider that, you know, people have culture and they have this, you know, every organization has a culture. I didn't really care about that. They had this culture that the only people who could matriculate through the ranks were people whom they sanctioned, people whom they grew up with, people who are from around the way. My daughter likes to remind me of that. Like, you know, well, mom, you're not really from around the way. So they gathered against me in a boardroom. Has that ever happened to you? Let me tell you something I learned about life. Anytime they gather in a boardroom and you're not sitting in the boardroom, you're on the agenda. 
And the agenda is to separate you from that activity. Amen. So they gathered in a boardroom. I went to the pastor to tell the pastor to get me out of the ministry and get me out of being ordained because I was so different and I didn't believe as they believed. You want to know what they believed? I really don't know. It was organized by a group of women and men. Women who hate other women. Sometimes the very things that happen to us women are caused by other women. Other women who influence men. Other women who set up men. Other women who never hold them accountable for the wickedness they did. Set up by other women. They went in a boardroom against me. But God always has a ram in the bush. The very pastor whom they went to, he was God's ram in the bush. He said to me that I trust the God who is in you. And because I trust the God who is in you, despite what they have said, you go and pray about it because I'm not making a decision today. They went to him in thinking that they could influence his decision to throw me out of the ministry. He said, it is not my will to destroy or send anybody out whom God has ordained. Hello, somebody. I'm a priest of the Most High God, just like you are. You feel the call of God on your life. Amen. And so God had a ram in the bush. Do you know what happened? I ended up getting ordained in the very same church. The people who organized that, they are destroyed today. The man who was the ringleader ended up needing surgery on his back, lost his business, lost his ability to work, had to go work nights at one of the big three automakers. I'm saying that so he knows. He became so contrite years later that whenever he saw me after that, he could barely speak to me. God delivered that enemy into my hands. My story of life is replete. I could tell you stories and stories and stories of how God continually became my avenger and became my defender. God is a God of wrath. He's a God of deliverance. He does not like it when we're wicked against one another. Look at the person sitting next to you. That's another human being for the grace of God. Help somebody today. Reach out to somebody today. Don't fire that person. They have children and a sick spouse and somebody they have to go home to. Do you know all these people? killing themselves and cutting their lives off is lack of hope because somebody pulled the rug out from under their feet. Somebody told them that they couldn't do something. Come on, people. Let God be God in your life and deliver the enemy into your hands. Amen. Poverty is your enemy. Sickness and disease. And in the name of Jesus under this anointing, I command every sickness and every disease to dry up now in the name of Jesus. God is going to deliver you. God is going to show you how he will do for you just like he did according to the words of the high priest Melchizedek who sat down and said to Abraham, the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to give up. I want you to know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. This is why today the Bible says even of itself that today we have the totality of the scripture. So from Genesis to Revelation, we can see God marching through on his behalf, on behalf of the people. We can see God scooping up and delivering his people. And when it was all said and done, he sent Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, went back up to heaven, and now is the great intercessor. God has never stopped delivering his people. 
we stopped believing. We stopped calling on God. So God sat back and said, okay, do what you want. Do what you will. But in the name of Jesus, I promise you, if you turn around and start calling on the name of God, he's going to deliver you. He's going to show you. I can barely get the words out in the name of Jesus. Because this, I know, just like for me, when my ex-husband stood that Sunday morning in that garage in Deltona, Florida, and declared that he was my God in the name of Jesus, God struck him out of my life and delivered me and showed me I he had delivered my enemy into my hands. The very thing my ex-husband said, he would not do. God did it anyhow. God will deliver you. God will show you. Trust in him. Call upon his name. Develop your prayer life. Pray unto the Lord Most High. Call upon his name in the name of Jesus. Speak the words of faith over yourself. Speak over yourself. Command the blessings of God every day upon your life. Command healing upon yourself. Command love to come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank God on your behalf and know that I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying that God delivers you. That God delivers the enemy into your hands. Destroy the works of the devil in your hands. In Jesus' mighty name. Be blessed everybody.